Hey, all you beautiful people, and welcome to the Glorious in the Mundane podcast. I'm your host, Christy Knuckles. Happy last bit of September to all of you. This month came and went in a flash, as always. But I know all of us are ready to welcome in the fall season. We've already had our first fire in the fireplace of the fall season. And the girls already asked about when we're putting up the Christmas tree. <laughs> I think we all just need a little Christmas right this very moment. But for now, the changing of the weather outside from a scorching to I think I can actually breathe now is good enough for me. We've actually had some pretty cool nights around here. I even had to put a little outdoor heating pad out in one side of the duck house for hope and dream. Don't worry, it's actually made for animals. And I covered it with hay, so as, you know, to hopefully protect it from having to clean it three times a day. <laughs> but at least I know that if they truly get chilly out there, they can go sit on that side of the duck house and keep warm. We are also still patiently awaiting the day that we're going to find our first eggs out in the chicken house. I keep going out there every day and just being like, what is up, ladies? It should be any time now. But while I'm ready for Christmas, I have to say that I maybe have been thinking about Thanksgiving more this year than I ever have. Not necessarily like the dinner part. I love that. But the season of giving thanks, and not to sound cheesy, but I have to believe after everything we've been through as a world this year, that our thanks could be such a sweet sound in God's ears. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It's actually God's will for us. It's His desire for us that we'd be people of thanks. And as a parent, I can't help but think how God wants us to see the good and give thanks, even all that's been stripped away from us. I know it's been hard and such a challenge. And please hear me say that I'm not talking about if you've lost a loved one in this season, when I'm talking about God stripping things away. I'm more talking about Him just simplifying our lives the way that He has by stripping our calendars back, chipping away at our busyness, limiting our ability to be on the go so much. I imagine it would be such a sweet sound in His ears to hear us thank Him all the more louder in this season. It makes me think of the lullaby on Be Held, Lullabies for the Beloved, the song that's called All That Is to Come, the one I would tell you, and I've told you before, that I wrote just for me when I lay my head down at night on my pillow. But it says, hear me say yes and amen. Tomorrow you'll be faithful again, and I'll praise you, God, for all you are and all I am, for you are my portion forever, for all that was, for all that is now and for all that is to come. You know, to praise God for all He is and all we are, we have to be able to come to peace with what was and what is and what is to come in our lives. We have to be able to thank Him even for what He has not given us. We've talked about that before, to thank Him even in the trial, even through the unknown that lies ahead. And the unknown of our world feels pretty cavernous and daunting right now. We have to believe that He is sovereign over us. I'm holding all these truths in my heart as I tell you that today's episode is in the top five for me, actually maybe even top three. 
The heart of it was to tell you about Blue Skies, which you've heard me talk about before many times. Blue Skies is a ministry that exists to help lift families above the clouds of pediatric cancer to Blue Skies. They do this by providing beach retreats for these families, many of which can't afford the luxury of a vacation together, even if that just means in terms of them not being able to plan something like that, all the details. These parents are just not in that kind of a season where they can take something like that on. But Blue Skies does all the planning for them. In fact, they get to just show up and enjoy. This is possible, my friend Melinda, the founder of Blue Skies, would tell you because of the hands and feet of Christ. His body, people just like you and me who come and are willing to serve these precious families in one of the hardest seasons of their lives. So that was the intent. But as God would have it, I really do think that today's interview is going to bless you in ways that are really going to meet you right where you are, especially if you're holding a hope and a dream in your heart. Is that something that you feel that God has put in you? It might even keep you awake at night. Not only will this interview help you know maybe some next steps that you're supposed to walk in to see that dream unfold, but just to hear a story about God's faithfulness when we are simply willing to surrender our all to Him. You're going to get to hear from Melinda Mayton, the founder of Blue Skies Ministry, who I've known actually since my Ellie was a baby. So that's, yeah, almost 18 years. When she was a kid and just in her 20s, someone strategic in Melinda's life actually challenged her with the question, I love this, what would you do if you had a million dollars? <laughs> well, you're going to get to hear Melinda tell that story. You're going to hear from her heart and you will be on the edge of your seat. You're going to love it. You're also going to get to hear from a lady that I met about five years ago, seemingly random, but as we all know, it was not random at all. Tammy Dryden will be joining us today. She and I met in a grilled cheese restaurant in Michigan. I was there leading worship for something and I was craving grilled cheese and tomato basil soup. I totally remembered. I was like, Nathan, we have to go find one of these restaurants. That led to a divine appointment of meeting Tammy and her family that day, including her daughter, Emma, who is just precious. She was in treatment for cancer at the time, and I was compelled when I met Tammy and her family to tell Melinda about them so that we could get them to Blue Skies. In fact, I remember I texted her probably pretty much right there and said, I just met this family and we've got to get them to Blue Skies. And they did get to eventually come that next summer. And you'll get teary-eyed getting to hear just what it meant to Tammy and her family, so much that they are now giving back to Blue Skies in the most beautiful way. Emma is now cancer-free, praise God, and they have spent the last few years serving, even Emma, specifically finding her part in serving these families right where they are. God is so incredibly faithful. Well, I want to tell you something really important before you hear the interview. You might remember if you attended our Christmas tour just this past year, that Blue Skies was our partner for the tour, meaning that they gave us money to help make that tour possible. Well, if you were there, you'll remember that the ask that night was not money at the time. The ask was for volunteers, which was so fun because we were planning as a family to be at Blue Skies for three weeks this past July. We had even planned a theme night, which we have every night at Blue Skies 
being Christmas in July, that was actually Nathan's idea. And Melinda was already going bonkers, planning on getting a tree there, gifts under the tree, Christmas at the beach in July, the whole nine yards. It was going to be amazing. Well, we got a tremendous response on tour. We had dozens and dozens of people signing up, wanting to come to camp with us. Melinda was absolutely blown away as we were. Well, of course, as you all know, COVID happened. And Melinda had to make some really hard decisions, as many of us have had to. She did decide that doing something for these families this past summer was better than nothing. So Blue Skies did create a virtual camp in June for many families who are battling pediatric cancer. They had chapel services online, so they got to hear the gospel. They had games for kids, scavenger hunts. Nathan and I created worship sets for the families to enjoy each day virtually. And we even did lullaby night nights that we usually call sweet dreams at camp, one for every night that they could play and enjoy from home. And then in July, Melinda did decide to treat as many families to the beach as she could, but we could not meet anywhere publicly. She could not provide them with any equipment like she normally does to bless them like beach towels and chairs and toys and umbrellas. She couldn't provide staff to clean or cook for the families like normal, but she could offer them a place to stay, the virtual camp to enjoy each day and night, and a week at the beach, of course, with their families. And she did just that. The girls and I did go down for a week while some of the families were there, and we did get to see them from a distance at the pool and the beach. It wasn't the same, of course, but it was better than nothing. But at the end of the day, Fundraising, as you all know, is down. Volunteerism is obviously down. And giving and donating is down. So Blue Skies is left weathering a storm they never thought they'd see. Normally, they're able to raise their operating budget each year through fundraising. And this actually frees them to just have the ask be the body of Christ to come and love on these families. So I wanted to do this episode to raise awareness for this ministry who brings the hope of the gospel to families in their darkest hour. And I've told you before that we've gotten to sing and share the name of Jesus literally in the last hours of some of these kids' lives. Last summer, we got to sing over a precious little girl each night. I'll never forget her face as she played in the sand that week building sandcastles. I'll never forget her walking the red carpet in a fancy dress during one of our theme nights where the kids just get to shine. And the next week, by Wednesday, she had passed away. It was unimaginable. But then I thought, how sweet that the last week of her life, every day, she got to hear the name of Jesus over and over and over. I need you to know something else. If you're a fan of my music, and especially our Christmas record, Melinda and her board took a massive risk on us. But she said that they all prayed and they agreed together that even if they didn't get one volunteer from the ask, that it was worth it to help the gospel go forth at Christmas time. And y'all, that's pretty much what ended up happening. Because of COVID, at the end of the day, there weren't really any volunteers to show for the risk in partnering with us because we simply couldn't gather. So I'll be upfront with you. Blue Skies is weathering a storm, but I believe that you and I can help them. They need $100,000 to keep them afloat. To break it down for you, we need 1,000 people to give $100, and we're there. 
Our hope is to get Blue Skies back on their feet so that we can all go to camp together in the future and be the hands and feet of Jesus together for these families. That's what we wanna get back to. If you're listening right now on Apple Podcasts, you can actually open up the description of this episode and click the link right there. We've put it right there for you. It will take you directly to blueskiesministries.org and you can donate in the upper right corner. If you give $100 or more, you will automatically be entered into a giveaway where there will be three winners. If your name is chosen, you will get a lovely basket from me full of some of my favorite things from Franklin, Tennessee, as well as a lovely Glorious in the Mundane coffee mug. It's one of my favorites. Also a Glorious in the Mundane sweatshirt from our online store. And also when we have books in hand, you will get a signed copy of my new book called The Life You Long For that releases in February. Next year, I hope the ask is for volunteers again, but right now I'm asking you to give along with me to this precious ministry. As I said before, I believe this interview is going to bless you. You need to know that Melinda and Tammy and I prayed at the end and we trust God with what He's doing with Blue Skies. You're not gonna hear Melinda asking you for money in this interview. You're gonna get to hear about the faithfulness of God and her story specifically too. You're gonna hear in Tammy's story, the lavish love of God. And I just pray that it meets you right where you are today. I do wanna look at our Hebrew letter and our text together for a few minutes. Our letter for this episode is the letter Nun. This letter is one of three in the Hebrew alphabet that is what's called a double letter. It has what is called a medial form and then an ending form. If you see Ellie's painting of Nun, you'll see it in the first form, which is bent. The final form of Nun looks the same with the crown on the top, but it's actually standing upright instead of bent. I think you can imagine where this is already going. The idea here is that the one who is humble or bent before God will stand upright in the final day. Jesus told us in Matthew 23, 11 through 12, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Also, this letter is associated with the posture we hear in James 4, 10. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Again, this is bullseye living at its finest, isn't it? To resist the tendency to puff ourselves up in the presence of God and others, even if, even if we just wanna try to defend ourselves, this isn't the way, it never works. But as we have found over and over, as we've been studying even just in this Psalm together, the principles and the way of the Lord works. It's just not the easy way, is it? To humble ourselves can sometimes be excruciating, but in it, a spiritual principle follows through. It's in humility that we are lifted up. And not to sound like a TV preacher, (laughs) but something in me says that someone out there needed to hear just that right now. Maybe you've been struggling with whether or not you stand up straight and defend yourself in a situation or wait humbly before God for Him to defend you. I'm not talking about if you're in danger. If you're in danger, you have permission to defend yourself by getting help around you. I'm just talking about maybe a conversation with your boss or in a broken friendship. Maybe it's something you've worked really hard on and you haven't seen the response that you thought you'd get. I pray that this encourages you even now that it's in humility that God will raise you up and that waiting on Him will renew your strength. I'm gonna read our passage over us now. This is Psalm 119, 105 through 112. 
God, we thank you for your word, and we humble ourselves before you even now as we hear it. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my free will offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. How many of you couldn't help but hear Amy Grant singing, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path, takes me back. Well, I love what Spurgeon wrote in this book on Psalm 119 called The Golden Alphabet. It reminds me very much of the times we are living in now. He says this, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. We walk through this world and are often called to go out into its darkness. Let us never venture there without the light-giving word so that our feet will not slip. Everyone should use the word of God personally, practically, and habitually so he can see his way and what lies in it. When darkness settles all around me, the word of the Lord reveals my way like a flaming torch. In olden times, some towns had no fixed lamps, and each passenger carried a lantern with him so he wouldn't fall into the open sewer or stumble over the heaps of excrement that defiled the road. This is a true picture of our path through this dark world. We would not know the way or how to walk in it unless Scripture, like a blazing torch, revealed it. It is true that the head needs illumination, but the feet need direction even more, or else the head and feet might both fall into a ditch. Happy is the person who personally appropriates God's word and practically uses it as his comfort and counselor, a lamp to his feet. A light unto my way, it is a lamp by night, a light by day, and a delight at all times. David guided his own steps by it, and he also saw the difficulties of his road by its beams of light. He who walks in darkness is sure to stumble sooner or later, but he who walks by the light of day or by the lamp of night stumbles not, but stays upright. Ignorance is painful regarding practical subjects. It breeds indecision and suspense, which are uncomfortable. By imparting heavenly knowledge, the word of God leads to decision. And when that is followed by determination, as in this case, it brings with it great restfulness of heart. A restfulness of heart. I don't know about you, but I want that in these days. Another verse that stood out to me was verse 109. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. Another version says, my soul is continually in my hand. Something in me, even though I wasn't sure what the psalmist was saying at first, I could just relate somewhere deep in my spirit. I think what David is referring to is the fact that most of his life, he ran from cave to cave, outrunning spears and armies. I'm sure he continually felt as if his own life was in his own feeble hands. You'll hear Tammy talking about being at the bedside of her child in the hospital with cancer and how it felt like their lives were just continually in their hands. I think decisions can feel like that sometimes for all of us. 
if I make this decision, is it going to cause this chain reaction? Or is this choice going to take me somewhere I don't want to go? We feel sort of as if we're gambling with our lives at times, like life is a chessboard. Ellie's learning to play chess right now, and it was just fresh on my mind. Her and Nathan, I can imagine them there. You know, they sit there quietly for an over an hour making tough decisions that will end in someone losing. <laughs> this season has felt like that globally, I think, like our lives are continually in our own feeble hands. But the psalmist still responds, but I do not forget your law. It's as if he's saying, God, I may not know what you're up to, and how you're going to use what feels like a season of running from cave to cave. But I will not forget your law, this word that lights my path and my way between the caves. We know that God is sovereign over our lives and our decisions. But I believe what the psalmist is saying here is that even when it seems that my life is continually in my hands these days, your word will bring rest to my heart. And then I love verse 111, your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I've been preparing to teach many times this last few weeks for various online things and some upcoming filming that I'm excited about, but it's caused me, of course, to get into the Word of God. Even though I know all these teaching points of the book, I still needed to dig through those verses again and find those scriptures. And as I'd read them out loud, I had several moments where I remembered actually my mama helping me memorize those very passages when I was a little girl. For sure, one of those was 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And then there was Galatians 2.20. She actually made up a melody to this one that maybe I'll sing for you sometime. If I started singing it right now, I would probably start crying. But Galatians 2.20 is, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, I don't even need to sing it. <laughs> I cried all last week because God's testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. And they are a beautiful heritage because they never return void. They go on and on. It reminds me of another lullaby where the peace keeps flowing in and the joy keeps pouring out. I hope you experience that peace flowing in and the joy pouring out even now as you listen to this really precious conversation. Well, I am just so excited to be sitting here with two of my friends, Miss Tammy Dryden and Melinda Mayton. Welcome out to Keeper's Branch, both of you. Thank you. It's great to be here. I know, Melinda, you've been out here before, but I have. Tammy, it's your first. And the first thing she asked about was hope and dream, the ducks. (laughs) So. We've already been out to visit quack, the ducks. Yeah. You took a picture, Melinda, right? I did. Okay, I'm proud of you because you're not really an animal person, no. I know. But <laughs> More anyway. about the kids, yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm so excited to have you here and just to be talking about blue skies. Um, I know I've mentioned blue skies before on the podcast, and it is very special to my heart. I've told several stories just throughout the years of our family's experience at Blue Skies, and we can't get enough. Even this last summer, we had a virtual camp, and the girls and I went anyway. Even though we couldn't publicly gather, um, we just couldn't 
stay away. We had to come see, we call Melinda Mimi. (laughs) Most people around camp call her Mimi. And so we were like, Mimi, we're coming. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I just want, Melinda, I think it's one of my favorite things whenever we get to do camp and we've gathered as guest families with volunteer families. I think usually that first um, time that you usually tell your story is maybe with the volunteers as to kind of just ready everyone's hearts for what's about to happen. But I love it. I always love it every time that you tell the story of how Blue Skies came to be. So I would love for you to just share that from your heart. Yeah, well, that would be great. I do love to share that story because I think it's amazing to think back at how God had such a plan for my life that was so different than my plan for my life. I'm 55 now, and my thought was that by now I would be married and a grandma. Um, But anyway, God had a different plan, and it really started— I. decided to become a nurse because my little sister had been sick when she was a baby. And I thought I was going to college to study business and technology, which is funny because I barely know how to answer my iPhone. (laughs) But anyway, but um, when I was a senior in high school and she was at the hospital having surgery, I just remember watching how the nurses just poured their hearts and their souls into taking care of her, and not just her, but the family as well. And they were just such a significant part in her healing process. Mm -hmm. And while I believe it was ultimately the hand of God that healed her from just really um, a terrible and desperate situation, um, the nurses sure made an impact on my life. And so, with that, I called the University of Georgia, and I said, I changed my mind. I'm going to be a nurse. Um, and I thought, man, if I could just help one family, like those nurses helped my sister, that would just feel like what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And so off I went to nursing school. And when I got out of school, I went to, I knew I wanted to work with children, and I went to the local children's hospital in Atlanta, and um, I was trying to decide what area to work in. And I really didn't know much about pediatric cancer other than what I I had learned in school, and there was a head nurse that was really smart about recruiting young nurses, and she showed a video of a summer camp for kids with cancer. And I remember um, I was very impressionable and seeing just their bald heads and their smiling faces, and they were jumping on blobs and lakes and riding horses, and they were having so much fun despite what they must have been going through. And so when I saw that video, I'm like, okay, that's where I want to work. So it wasn't any kind of big personal experience I had had with cancer, but I just thought, man, you know, look at what they can smile through and have fun in the middle of, so I want to be in the middle of that. And so I started working on the floor. Um, where all the uh, kids going through cancer treatment were. And back in the day, a million years ago, I've been a nurse now for 33 years um, and a nurse practitioner since 1995. But when I started as a nurse on the floor, there were no techs and nobody else. It was just the nurses. And so we really got such a a close perspective on what the families Mm -hmm. were going through. So as we were caring for the children, we watched the family dynamics of what happened. And, of course, it's just heartbreaking to see these precious children go through treatments, um, surgeries, radiation, just the difficulty that comes for their little bodies physically Mm -hmm. and what that does to them and how that impacts them emotionally just Mm -hmm. as they're enduring this. And then 
on top of that, to see their parents just struggle. Like, I can't imagine. I, I always wanted to be a mom, and Lord, I'm still looking for that man and my, <laughs> my chance to um, to get married. But But to see those parents watch their beloved child just it it must feel like torture you know for a parent to see that and that was so impactful to me mm-hmm. as a 22 year old you know right out of school and watching that day after day week after week mm-hmm. month after month and even some of these kids were on treatment for two and three years mm-hmm. and as their families were just fighting to save their child's life. So often at the end, the family was so broken, yeah. which yeah. was so heartbreaking. I mean, the divorces that we mm-hmm. saw, just the, the couples that came in so strong and clinging to each other at the time of diagnosis, by the end, they were separated. There was pain and anger. Mm-hmm. And then watching the siblings, like the parents would bring them up as often as they could, but you know, the kids would then sometimes leave. Mm-hmm clinging to their mom's mm-hmm. leg. The dad would be pulling them away. I don't want to go. I wish I had cancer. I wish I could be here. They they didn't understand yes. what their you know, brother or sister was going through with treatment, but they did know that they were missing out on mom and dad and just mm-hmm. some family time. And so as a young nurse, that was just really um, impactful. It was hurtful to watch and just know that was going on. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm from a really big family. My grandmother, um, who was granny to me, lived mm-hmm. to be um, 104 years old. And <laughs> my mom is the youngest of six girls, and I have just a really big family, lots of cousins. And every time we do anything, it's just you know, mm-hmm. if we have Easter dinner, Christmas dinner, or just want to see each other after church on Sundays, there would be, you know, 30, 40, 50 of us <laughs> around. And we still enjoy going to the beach together. We went this summer, and, you know, there'll be anywhere from 30 to 60 people, maybe, wow. you know, just family and friends wow. that gather at the beach. And so I, when I think about my life and the story of Blue Skies, it's almost like this tapestry, like God was beginning to weave in me when I was a little girl. Like I've always loved children. When I was 10 years old, I would babysit and that's when my little sister was born. And now, I mean, if I had a newborn baby, I would not let a 10-year-old near my baby back, <laughs> back then. You know, I was, you know, I loved kids. And then, you know, then I loved my career as a nurse. I loved working at the bedside. And I loved mm-hmm. trying to help in any way I could, whether it was comfort the child or the parents as they were going through that. But also, I love the beach. I mean, put my toes in the sand and, and um, play in the water and just have fun with my family, that's to me where I feel most connected with the Mm -hmm. Father. You know, I just, I think about the vastness of the ocean, and I think about just how big the world is. I think about the sand that I'm standing on, the sand that's in my fingers and toes and in my hair, and that, you know, He knows how many grains of sand there are. I'm like, I couldn't even count what's in, you know, Mm -hmm. I could hold in my hand, much less all of that. And that same God loves me, Mm -hmm. Melinda. He cares about me and my life and my heart. Mm -hmm. And then I thought about how He surely cares about these families. Mm -hmm. So that was another piece of the tapestry that God was kind of weaving well, my dream to get married and have those six babies was just always there, you know. And um, I thought, you know, one day that's going to happen. But until then, I got to keep marching forward. Mm-hmm. And so I went back to graduate school and I got my nurse practitioner degree. And um, 
Everybody out there, if you're a nurse and you're looking for a career change, it's a great thing to do. My mm-hmm. salary doubled on my first job, and I was wow. so excited. You know, I'm like, woohoo, this is it. And and I went to a um, class. It was a financial financial management class called Crown Financial Ministries about being a good steward of your money. Now, for me, I thought it was about, you know, teaching me how to balance a checkbook uh-huh. and taking care of the finances since I didn't have a husband to do that for me yet. <laughs> and what it turned out, it was so much more. It was the management, really the stewardship of all that God's given mm-hmm. you, not just you know cash and money in the bank, but who yeah. He's made you and who He's gifted you to be. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, one of the very first weeks of the class, I went and the facilitator asked me a question that really changed my life forever. She said, what would you do if you had a million dollars? Well, that it seems crazy to say this, but I literally thought that was all the money in the world. I mean, that was, yeah. you know, 20 something years ago, but I couldn't imagine any more money than a million dollars. So immediately my mind went to if you could do anything, what would it be? And just in the immediately what came out of my heart was I would somehow get these families who are in the hospital and in the clinics living through all the challenges, the pain, the struggles, the weariness, the fear, mm. the anger, the anxiety. I would scoop them up, get them to the beach out of that you know, hospital and mm-hmm. sterile environment, take them to the beach and love on them in the name of Jesus. I would let mm-hmm. them put their toes in the sand and run around and play. Mm-hmm. And really, I could just see like the parents reconnecting and these mm-hmm. brothers and sisters that were desperate for time with their moms and dads, like they could be together again as a family. Mm-hmm. And for these kids that are sick and stuck in the hospital and just feeling so different, all of a sudden, they're like everybody else, and they could play and laugh and have fun. And so when she asked that question and that answer came out, I was like, that's all fine and good, but I have no idea, you know, how to do that. And I tease and say, I had literally never heard of the word like board of directors except on days of our lives. I'm ashamed to say back in the day we watched. But anyway, so I didn't really know what I was stepping into. But the person who asked me the question, she said, you know, I'm a financial planner and I ask that question a lot. And rarely do people have such a clear picture of what they want to do. Have you ever thought that's what God wants you to do with your life? And I was like, no, I'm getting married. I'm having six babies like my grandmother. And I had a a plan for my life that I think was a good and godly plan. But um, she said, did you ever ask God what he wants you to do with your life? And Mm. I mean, I was somewhat embarrassed and ashamed because I'm like, well, not really. I mean, I was ready to go. (laughs) And um, so I really spent some time, literally, I remember going home and I wish I could say I did this every time I'm in prayer, but I remember getting down on my knees on the carpet in front of the sofa Mm -hmm. and just bowing my head and saying, God, I don't know what this would look like. Like, how would I do that with my life? And you know, I'm a nurse. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know how to make something like that happen. And, you know, I just, I did not hear a voice, but I just felt such clarity in my heart that I had three things that I needed to do. I needed to, one, get out of debt because it's like you can't go and do and serve me if you're kind of encumbered by things mm-hmm. for holding you back. Um, 
and that I needed to, um, you know, make sure that all of the relationships in my family, like how could I go out in the name of Jesus and and talk about families healing and loving mm-hmm. each other if I had brokenness, you know, in mm-hmm. my own family. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I would just felt him like leading me towards mm-hmm. like, keep going and look at me and trust me, you know, yeah. and I'm going to kind of show you and, and sort of like unpurge yourself. Now I'm mm. a pack rat and I love everything. If you've given me something with a scrap of paper, <laughs> I still have it. Like Christy gave me this two years ago, you know, whatever. And I mean, I had my, you know, um, childhood Sally, Dick and Jane school books. I had mm. love letters and I, I also teased that I threw those away purging and mm. getting ready to move to where God would ever move me, but no more love letters came. So I <laughs> I had those back. But anyway, so it was kind of like purge, get ready so that, you know, you can go when I call you to it. Wow. And nothing did he tell me about, you know, how I was going to get that million dollars because I thought that was like going to be what kind of set me free and led me to it. And so, you know, is that, you know, became clear that those were the things that I needed to do. I was living in a a three-bedroom house that I was sharing with a friend, and I moved into an apartment, and I purged out all of my old stuff. Mm -hmm. I worked really hard um, at my job and worked extra shifts, and I got completely out of debt. And then I think... One of the things that surprised me the most, I started going to a counselor to see about how the counselor could help me mm-hmm. fix the people in my mm-hmm. life that were that I struggled with, you know, relationally, mm-hmm. um, and even in my own family. And I remember one day, it, it was so sweet. It wasn't like somebody said, you do need to do this. It was finally like the Holy Spirit just kind of settled in my heart mm-hmm. that Nobody needed to change mm-hmm. apart from me. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like I yeah. was the one mm-hmm. that needed to wow. um, submit and to surrender and to love. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know what I mean? And yeah. it wasn't wow. like me trying to fix somebody else. Yes. It was me saying, okay, God, I, I need to look at my part in every situation. Mm-hmm. And um, so as I did that, I went, uh, my mom was one of the people I, I struggled. I, I love my mom. She comes to all of our camps and people, you know, if you've been to Blue Skies, you love Nana. Yes. But uh, my parents had divorced when I was a senior in high school and I just was still really, you know, sad and bitter over it. Mm-hmm. And I had to go to my mom and apologize that I had, you know, some brokenness there that I needed to ask her to forgive me. Mm -hmm. And it was almost instantaneous. Like, I did not get a check in the mail for a million dollars. If you have one, that's great. But, you know, that never happened for me. That what happened was I was free. I was Mm -hmm. free financially. I was free from stuff. I was free in my relationships to love. Mm -hmm. And then God began to move in an unbelievable way Mm -hmm. and would be here, you know, this time next year, telling the whole story. But <laughs> that one of the first things I did that kind of really just brings us forward to where we are today. I had um, read Andy Stanley's book, Visioneering, and it mm-hmm. talked about when God gives you a, a vision, visions don't change, plans change, but mm-hmm. vision is something God puts in your heart. And I'd love to share with you guys a poem I wrote 22 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Usually when I read a book, like if it's a book and it has an activity to do or something like that, I don't do it. I just keep reading. But (laughs) the book, I remember it saying, you know, stop and pause and write down what you see the problem is Mm -hmm. and what you feel like the vision is that God's giving you Mm -hmm. um, to change. And so before I read it, let me just say, like, as a young nurse in the hospital, I saw, you know, the child was sick at home, I mean, in the hospital, 
And typically, it was the mom at the bedside because mm-hmm. dad had to work mm-hmm. to keep up the insurance. Mm-hmm. So that you know caused that separa- caused that separation. Everybody at the hospital was going through the same thing. So even though parents were surrounded by other parents on the same journey, there was really not time like mm-hmm. to communicate with them. Mm-hmm. So out of all that pain, this is the poem that was birthed and what I feel like you know God called me to do, but. Um, it says, can you imagine hearing the doctor say, I'm sorry, your child has cancer? Can you imagine watching your child going bald, getting stared at, or being treated unkindly? Can you imagine the weariness of sleepless nights, hospital smells, losing control of your world? Can you imagine living with unspeakable anger or just wondering why? Can you imagine your family growing apart? Now, just imagine... Imagine a place by the sea where the warm sun, rolling waves, and ocean breezes rejuvenate you, where the sunset brings peace to your soul. Imagine a place where you and your children can laugh and play together, where family relationships are restored. Imagine a place where you can share with others facing similar challenges, where caring friends walk beside you. Imagine a place where volunteers serve you willingly and joyfully, a place where the staff understands your needs. Imagine a place where the Spirit of God resides to heal and restore, a place of comfort and encouragement. Just imagine. Hmm. So that was written, you know, over 20 years ago, and it's amazing hmm. to me that, that that is what Blue Skies is. It's a place hmm. of love and hope and comfort, and it's a place where I have seen these precious families who have struggled, who are weary, who are scared, who are afraid, be embraced and surrounded by the love of Jesus. Hmm. And I've watched them come in, and the looks on their faces, they just literally transform by the end of the week, being hmm. surrounded and bathed in His love. Even if they don't know what that love is or what they're experiencing, they just know it feels good when they're there to receive that. So yes. it's just been such a, a blessing to be, you know, mm-hmm. on this journey. And Christy, kind of, I met you even before this all started, yeah. but to have you, you know, be a part of this and, and let us, you know, share our story is pretty amazing. So, mm-hmm. so thankful. Well, it's like, it's almost like you wrote that like three years ago, mm-hmm. you know, when you're, you've, you've, you're looking back on yeah. these last 20 years, but it's just incredible to think you wrote that over 20 years ago. And you're, you're right that the vision hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. And what's beautiful is Tammy, who's sitting here, is just God's faithfulness in bringing this vision about so that you could actually love on these families and Tammy's family is one of those. And I just want to tell everyone how she and I met because I really do think it's just miraculous. Yeah, like absolutely. you, it's just stories like this that you're like, you you cannot say that there's not a God. <laughs> like it's just <laughs> right. because, yeah. but I love it because when people get to hear, you know, you're just how God started Blue Skies in your heart. Just even, I loved how you talked about how he freed you and just even that process was just so encouraging, I think, for anyone listening who mm-hmm. feels that God has, you know, put something on their heart to start or to build. It it I love that it's really about who we're becoming mm-hmm. always. Yeah. There's just that order mm-hmm. of living from God rather than for him. And mm-hmm. but anyway, several years ago, how many years ago has it been, Tammy, that we met? I think it was 2015. That's probably, yeah, that's about right. 2015, I was in Michigan. I was playing, I was uh, leading worship at a conference in town and I was at this grilled cheese restaurant Mm -hmm. and 
did you come? Did you come up to me and and you were like, <laughs> yes, you were like, with, are you with pure intrepidation? <laughs> <laughs> I think you were just like, are you Christine Knuckles? Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> there was that. You know, that five minutes, ten minutes of like, do we? Don't we? Do we? Don't we? Do we? Don't we? Do we say hello? I don't want to bother her. She's in her lunch. But I had always wanted to meet you because your music was so important in my life, and particularly mm-hmm. in the hospital room wow. with Emma, your your Let It Be album. Wow. So the Drydens, how many, tell us how many kids y'all have. We have six. Six kids, which I've met most of them, mm-hmm. maybe, yeah. mm-hmm. through the years. Um, and at the time, their daughter Emma was in treatment, mm-hmm. and she was actually in the car. You can go ahead and tell the funny story that you told me before we, <laughs> <laughs> I think people will enjoy it. <laughs> so we came out for um, one of our daughter's birthdays, and I was not feeling well. I was also emotionally exhausted, and I was like, well, who are we going to see? This town, this restaurant is 20 minutes away. We've never been there. It's a tiny little place. I'll just stick a hat on, no makeup, put my old glasses on. I'm looking like I was painting or something. I don't even know. (laughs) And Emma wasn't feeling so well, but we really needed to do this birthday celebration Mm. because cancer kept interrupting it for our, it was our youngest daughter. And so we went and um, Emma decided to stay in the car because times with chemo, well, there's tons of side effects, but there are times when there's a lot of sensitivity to noises mm. and people and activity. And so she just was not feeling well mm. and also didn't really want to eat. And she decided, I'm just going to lay in the car. So I went in, we all went in, and I looked over and I saw you and Nathan, and you were with somebody, I think. And I kind of had the freak out moment because I had always <laughs> dreamed of meeting you. <laughs> I felt like you were a friend who walked me through mm. life with your music. And um, there's something very sacred for people who can bring you to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that happened in the hospital room over and over for Emma and I with your music. So I knew I had to thank you, but I also knew I had to go get Emma because (laughs) she was listening to the music too. We had constantly playing. And so I went out to the car and I said, Emma, you have to come in. Christy Knuckles is in there. And she said, Mom... She's laying down on her side. She's like, Christy Knuckles is not in the restaurant. I'm like, no, no, it's Christy Knuckles. You have to come in. She said, Mom, it's not Christy Knuckles. And I said, Emma, it's her hair. (laughs) (laughs) And she realized, "Mm, I think I better get up and go say hello. She in there. (laughs) So we brought her over, and we just wanted to thank you for your ministry to Mm. us in the hospital room. And um, then we got to talking. Yeah. And I immediately just said, you have to come to Blue Skies, yeah. didn't I? You did, and you text Melinda. Yeah. She did. I remember getting the yes. text. Yes. Yeah. And Melinda's like, yes, we have an opening, and you can come. And we couldn't come you know, at that time because yeah. of where Emma was in treatment. Um, but it was just so sweet to and exciting to be introduced to Blue Skies. Mm. Um, and was it that next summer? It was. Yeah. That well, you, spring break. Spring break. Okay. Yeah. That you guys came as a guest family. What was that like to get to experience that after just the journey you've been on up to that point? I'm going to try to do this without crying. It was um, really amazing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely amazing. Um, when you talked to Melinda about being on your knees for direction, I immediately saw myself as I did many times in the hospital room, on my knees next to Emma's bed. Mm. 
And so I thought, wow, what started for direction for you was where we find ourselves in desperation in those Mm -hmm. hospital rooms. Mm -hmm. And um, just so beautiful to think that God has used your ministry and you and the people involved to bring such healing to families. I, uh, our verse during cancer was Isaiah 43, and it says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Mm-hmm. And what I felt like at what Blue Skies did was it allowed us to come up from the feeling of drowning. It was what God used, like he says in Scripture, and give us a breath of fresh air. Actually, it's better visual would be of me floating on a raft. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is how peaceful Blue Skies mm-hmm. felt for our family. Mm-hmm. I think one of the hardest parts of cancer, like you touched upon, is what happens with the family unit, and especially with the siblings. And for moms, um, everybody takes takes a hit with cancer, no question. There's a uniqueness for moms, I think, because as moms, we're made as nurturers, and we're always trying to be the barometer of how's this kid, how's this kid, how's this kid, how's this kid, how's my husband, how are we, how are, how's my child in the hospital, and, and a lot of your time, it does end up being the mom in the hospital, is spent in the hospital, and you miss these major events with your kids, graduation things, or this event, or this special thing, and um, it's very hard on the siblings. It's so hard on the cancer patient, but there are a lot of opportunities for the cancer patient to get some extra love. This one is unique in that it ministers to the whole family, in particular couples, but also especially siblings. Mm. And I saw our family, my kids just come alive that week. Um, I remember before we went, I said, Lord, I don't even know what our kids need at this point. Mm. I, I, like the storm's not over. I'm not looking at the damage. I can't figure it out yet, but it's happening in real time. And I don't, I don't even know. And I said, but I trust you that you you know what their hearts need more than I even can even imagine. And you love them more than I do. And so could you just please help part of us heal this week? And one of my favorite stories about that for one of my kids is, this is about, we have a ballet dancer, Audra, and she actually trains in Mississippi right now with a professional company. And um, we showed up and she heard that there was a, like a dance group happening. And she's like, well, you know, my, I, I really love ballet. She was in middle school at that time. That was kind of her thing. But she's like, I guess I'll just do the dance. Well, when we got to talk to the woman leading the dance, she was actually a ballet instructor at a university. And she said, well, she met Audra. And she said, well, I just did general dance because I didn't think there'd be anybody who you know, would specifically want ballet. And so she said, but we can cater this differently. And so they said also this was the first time they'd ever had this. Mm. So Audra just felt so seen that Jesus spoke to her through the way she works out her pain Mm. and her worship was, is through ballet, is through dancing. She got this 
one-on-one and then just a small group intensive time in the thing that the Lord uses to speak most to her heart. Mm. I could not have orchestrated that. Mm. And that was one story of how the Lord said, I see them. I see your kids. You can release the burden this week. Well, for always, but especially (laughs) just this week, let me Mm. hold that for you. Let me show you tangibly how I'm here. I am with you, and you will not drown. Your children are not going to drown. They will not be burned up in the flames. And I will walk this week. I will show you that. And that is what Blue Skies mm. did for us. I mean, I do I um, appreciate that story so much. And I remember that week because um, when Carolyn was there, we had never had a professional ballet instructor yes. before. And um, she's not been able to come back. So we've not had a class like that since then. But I do know that as the body of Christ comes together for the good of others. Um, I don't know if you know this, but our logo is like, people don't know what it is. It sort of looks like a sideways heart, mm-hmm. but it's meant to be that point is because it or the whole thing like originates with the love of God. Mm-hmm. And then it goes out as like loops because it's like his love is, is just never ending. Mm-hmm. And, and then the color on the bottom, like the bottom loop is kind of lifting families above oh. the clouds of childhood cancer. And in the middle, the color's a little richer mm-hmm. because it's like when we give our lives for the good of someone else in, mm-hmm. the, in the name of Jesus, like that's when the color, like we're brightest and most beautiful, mm-hmm. you know? And so when she came and did that, I think, you know, God is providing. I don't, even we don't know, like we certainly did not plan that out, but, yes. but the Father knows and He yes. knows what we need at Blue Skies and He knows what the families need. And yeah. so I love it when volunteers just come up and, you know, they, they say, I don't know how to talk to a family mm-hmm. who has a child with cancer and I don't know what I can do. And I'm like, who you are, whatever that is. If you're funny, be funny. Mm-hmm. If you like to clean, clean. If you can lead worship, lead worship. You know, if you can teach ballet, teach ballet. But, you know, in the name of Jesus, when we present ourselves and mm-hmm. our gifts and who we are, He will use that mm-hmm. for His kingdom and His purpose and His glory. So yes. I just, I love that. I love that story. Yes. I appreciate you sharing that. I have another story that I just have to share. And you know this one, but you don't, Christy. Mm-hmm. It's so sweet. And it was a, a time where I was really learning, understanding God's lavish love um, for me, too. And particularly meaningful when, um, yeah, as a mom in the middle of cancer, you're just you're doing all this stuff for people. First gift came when I got to meet you. I had wanted to do that my whole life. And here I met you in the middle of like, you know, such a horrific time. And that was a sweet gift. And then um, when we went to Blue Skies, Melinda told us that uh, they had to switch our room up where we were going to stay. And so I was like, okay, that's fine. She's like, you guys get to stay in this really cool house. It's amazing. It's beautiful. And um, before we went to our room, we had had dinner and all the details that they do at Blue Skies was just incredible to me. And I met your mom and I said, I, I, I'm so overwhelmed with all these details of love and kindness. And she said, well, Melinda believes that um, details are a way to lavish love on people. And I said, well, I feel that already. And we've barely been here like two, three hours. Mm-hmm. So we went to our room and I'm walking into it and I I'm stepping in the middle of the room. I'm looking around and I'm feeling like, I I know I've seen this room before. I don't know how I've seen this room before, but it was absolutely gorgeous. It was like, if if I could have built a room for myself, it would have been that one. It was the colors I love, blues. It was just beautiful. 
And so the girl, my girls come in and they're like, Mom, this room, it looks so much like you. It looks like something you love. So all of a sudden in my mind, I thought, okay, I, I, I know I've got seen this before. So I go through my phone. I look back several weeks, or about a month back. I find pictures. And my mouth drops open and I'm holding my phone, showing my kids the pictures I had taken screenshots of that very room on Pinterest as inspiration for someday. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And I said, I, I, well, I couldn't say anything. And I'm just showing them, I'm like, and they're like, what, what, did you take pictures? And they look closer and they're like, Mom, Mom, you, these are so, because I had shown them before. Anyway, what I heard the Lord say, Tammy, this is my lavish love for you mm-hmm. as a daughter. I'm in the details showing you that I'm here to lavish love on you and your family this week. Crying? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm glad that this is just audio and you can see the mascara down my face. But yeah, it's just, honestly, like we just finished our 11th season and it's story after story after story of His just loving kindness and provision. Yeah. And when we are willing to submit ourselves for Him, He'll take whoever you are, whatever you have, and use it in, in ways you can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. You know, I, so I do think about, you know, where's my husband and where are my six kids? Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't trade the life He's called me to. Like, just those stories are just encouraging to yeah. remember His faithfulness on the good mm-hmm. days and mm-hmm. on the hard days. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's just mm. so sweet to know mm-hmm. His great love for us as yeah. His children. I'm going to have y'all as my co-hosts like every episode. <laughs> y'all we can just... keep going. <laughs> um, well, one thing I wanted to point out is that, Tammy, you and your family have actually come back now as volunteer families. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is probably the, one of the most beautiful things that happens, right, with Blue Skies. That's happened multiple times, right? I mean, um, I just feel like that's such a fulfillment to know like that this is meeting the needs and it is helping people because yeah. I do tell the volunteers, I say, you know, when you get here to camp, you may feel anxious or nervous about what to do or to say, but God's brought you here. So just rest in that because mm-hmm. you don't know what these families need. And we don't want to assume, oh, this mom's needs this and this dad needs this and these mm-hmm. kids need this. We just need to be obedient yeah. to what he's called us to be. And then he'll kind of make that happen. But when a family comes back, like... You know, we have stepped out to be there to serve you in your time of need. Mm. And then for me to see you guys kind of get on the storm, kind of survey the damage mm-hmm. and, and strengthen, you know, yourself mm-hmm. that you would come mm. and love others in the name of Jesus the way you were loved and pour that same love back out. It's just, it's one of the most fulfilling things to me to know, like, you know, people talk about they're successful because how much money they've raised, how many families they've served, or just accolades of, of counting things. But to me, it's seeing like families that have been served coming back and pouring that back out on others mm-hmm. that is just like a hug from the Lord saying, mm-hmm. you know, keep going because it, it is making a difference in their lives. And it is pointing them to me because ultimately we wish cancer would go away, but mm-hmm. but more than that, I want Jesus for the families that are there. And mm-hmm. I think for him to reveal himself to you, just, 
you know, without somebody, nobody knocked on your door to share the gospel, Mm, you know, but maybe they knocked on your door to bring you some fresh towels or to bring you some, you know, something cold to drink when you're on the beach or to play with your kids or whatever, Mm -hmm. but, but he is making himself known. And then now you're coming back and letting somebody else, you know, have their encounters with Mm -hmm. the Lord. So I just appreciate you sharing that so much. And Mm -hmm. it's just beautiful to see how you know, his kingdom operates. Yeah. yeah, Tammy, one of my favorite things was just a couple summers ago getting to watch Emma share her story with a group of teenagers mm-hmm. that were there as guests, families, and with their sibling, or maybe they were in treatment. I've seen your a lot of your kids lead mm-hmm. and come back and get to like um, share from their journey, which mm-hmm. is so beautiful. What has that been like for your family, just for you to get to experience that as volunteers. Yeah. Um, wow. It's it's incredible. It's mm-hmm. such a sacred space to be part of that journey with cancer families, just helping and um, providing refreshment um, and that love, that tangible mm-hmm. love. Um, for us, Blue Skies was sort of the beginning of that healing process because what they don't talk about a lot about cancer is once it's done, then that it's that looking and realizing, well, there's a lot of damage that's happened and there's a lot of emotional things. So it feels kind of like Blue Skies is um, for the bedside for your emotional side. <laughs> um, and we had to take time. We couldn't come back right away. We knew we wanted to come back and give back, but we couldn't come back right away um, because we all needed to be healthier, and we we did things, counseling, different things to get help um, for that, and especially we wanted to make sure Emma was okay to do that. So once she was, sure enough, we everybody. I mean, it was always like, when are we going? When are we going? And now we're lifers. So um, anyway, being there is so so sweet. Um, like you said, it's just about using your gifts. It's not about knowing the right thing to say. Um, really, so much of our healing was our being together and just the Lord starting to chip away and help us relax mm. um, and take a breath from what we had just been through. And so it's been really sweet to see how God has healed and continues to heal our hearts from it, but also uses us in walking alongside other families and being able to understand a little bit of what they've been through, um, but also just serve, not necessarily even having to talk about cancer, but being there to have fun and my boys playing ball on the beach with other kids or whatever it is. Um, Yeah, it's been beautiful. I hope that God has truly met you right where you are, that He is a God that loves to unfold the dreams of our hearts and sometimes surprise us with dreams we didn't even know we had when we live from His order. He loves to hold up our cause. When we humble ourselves before Him, He loves to lift us up. And then how about being reminded of the lavish love of God through Tammy's stories? I hope even that encouraged you so much today that you are seen, known, and loved, and that God will come through for you. Maybe not exactly in the way you thought, but if you're looking for it, especially with the lamplight of His Word, He will lead you to be able to see and even proclaim his faithfulness. Again, if you want to give to Blue Skies, go ahead to blueskiesministries.org or follow the link 
in the description of this podcast. It's embedded there for you. And donate today. I hope you win. I hope you'll be one of those givers of $100 or more. And I'm going to be so excited to get those baskets ready for you, especially that hand-signed book. I love you guys. I'll talk to you soon.